Welcome to Married to History, where we try to be informative, entertaining, and family-friendly. Aloha, I'm Christopher. I have a fancy piece of paper on my wall that says that I know more about history than most people do, and I am also a hardcore advocate for games being able to teach history. That's... okay. I'm sure We played a lot of games at school today. It was great. Oh, you did? <laughs> That's right. Well, and, uh, and we just got done talking about a new board game that we need to get, apparently. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm Shirley. I'm a homeschool mom that relies on Good Curriculum, Christopher, and Ragtime the Musical to teach our kids history. Gee, did you pick Ragtime on purpose because we just talked about that in the I didn't. Episode? No, I didn't. Oh, it was just happened just to come turn. up All in right. my list. Hey, honey, I have a history question for you. I love history questions. So which historical event do you think was caused by aliens? I'm not saying it was Stop aliens. Stop right now. I will not entertain but this. But it was aliens. I will not abide this. By How dare you claim that our ancestors were incapable of doing some of these things on their own and must have had extraterrestrial help? But, okay, so I don't think it was aliens, but it was aliens. But, but Give me strength. Some of these is fun. <laughs> it's just a silly See, thought I, I know. I know that you think it's fun. I know that you say it's a silly exercise. But there are truly people out there yeah. that refuse to believe that it could be anything other than aliens. And those people well, annoy yeah. me. Yeah. They are fools, honey. They are fools. There are foolish people out there. <laughs> and they are the most foolish. I call them something else, but I promise to stop doing that. Yeah. Well, I promise to try to stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be serious, I have seen people argue that to believe these great things were done by aliens instead of humans could be a racist thing. Like some people take it okay. that far as to say, like, if you can't believe that these humans were capable of that, then that's offensive, which is an interesting, interesting idea. Well, I mean, the theory holds, but it takes racism to a different level. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. are you talking about that you thought that? oh, these people from Africa or the Middle East were incapable of mm -hmm. building the pyramids? Are you saying that mankind, humanity, was incapable of building the pyramids? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. So if you don't want to talk about aliens, what are the most amazing things to have been done or built in history that are almost unbelievable? I don't think you're going to be happy. What does that mean? Computers. That's stuff of the modern That's day. Computers, boring. airplanes. Okay, well, so, all right. If I'm going to go with the idea of what things have maybe had the most significant impact throughout history, I'd say the very first one is boats or the concept of anything that floats. Okay. So uh, I don't know if I've said this before on the program or whatnot, but throughout history, water, to this day, mm -hmm. water is still the best, the cheapest, the most effective means of transportation for mm -hmm. for anything i feel like we talked about this recently we probably have because i, I kid you not it is without a doubt the mo one of the, it is without a doubt one of the most important things in history and again without any doubt mm -hmm. the most important means of transportation throughout human history right the uh, advantages are numerous i mean uh, stuff can float down river or sail on the ocean while the crew is sleeping you can mm -hmm. hold more stuff on a boat than you can put on a pack animal or mm -hmm. on your person Generally, there's less to worry about as far as thieves, pirates, or anything to that nature because there's only so many places. They can't exactly sneak up on you, or rather it's harder for a boat <laughs> to sneak up on you out there. If there's enough fog, you could sneak. Okay. Um, so yeah, water has always been the primary means of transportation. Trains get 
darn close, mm-hmm. but trains only the trains never do beat water transport. Mm-hmm. All trains do is enable it. So okay, now we have a means of in places where we just can't get uh, we can't find a water route to. Mm-hmm. Now with trains, we can at least move a substantial mm-hmm. amount of stuff to those places that we want it to be. Right. So that that is an advantage that trains give, uh, but still water is the most is the number one and mm-hmm. airplanes quite honestly they're a joke yeah airplanes can go I mean, just about any joke they're, uh, quite honestly they're a joke yes they can go just about anywhere uh-huh. but the amount of cargo that they can hold mm-hmm. is minuscule in comparison to train cars and especially boats oh i didn't yeah, think airplanes that airplanes well don't get me airplanes are very big and they can hold a lot of weight but comparatively they can't hold that mm-hmm. much weight they can't hold that much stuff Wow. So, so what does boats have to do with aliens or really amazing, Nothing. unbelievable you technology? The alien premise, and then I could just okay. talk about what some of the most okay. important things were. So, yes, the ability to mm-hmm. figure out how to move things around by water, I would dare say, is mm-hmm. the number one accomplishment of mankind. I would say the only thing that I would be willing, your the only thing at the moment that mm-hmm. I'm willing to entertain an argument of could be more of a contribu- contributor would be agriculture being able to farm yeah okay so what do you think was like one of the biggest most important or revolutionary improvements we were able to make to boats because like how hard could a boat be it's just a bowl that floats um i'd say sailing power being able to harness the wind and the sails too so that we're not dependent upon currents anymore or not dependent on oar power or manpower to get the boats to where we want them to go Uh because wind is a truly renewable resource it's almost never going to stop. I mean, there are mm-hmm. calms out there, but it can come back. And then again, while the crew is resting or recovering its strength, mm-hmm. the winds will continue to blow, especially as time went on and lots of different cultures had their own methods, their own uh, discoveries also about sailing in particular, about winds. They were able to get darn good at it. I mean, yeah. the British Navy, the the officers there, they were monsters. These these people were and children, uh, even younger than 12 years old, are starting to learn how to figure these things out, mm-hmm. learning wind patterns, how to predict when squalls and whatnot are coming so that they could be really, really, really efficient mariners. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the, these children. So I could be wrong. I, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of that maritime awesomeness has kind of gone astray because... We got GPS now, yeah. and uh, we got a lot of guys that take jobs on boats rather than, oh, this was the life they were born to. Yeah. Um, I've met uh, Skills more. Skills become obsolete. I met more than a couple of guys that worked on boats when I was in Hawaii. And yeah, I got the impression from them that, oh, yeah, it's it, it's like a, being a. So I, I don't mean to dis- diminish boat workers. I know it's a, in many cases, it's a dangerous job and uh-huh. every job has a various amount of skill and oh, yeah, that goes yeah. into it. But uh, the overall impression that I got was, okay, you're basically living on a house and you're doing chores all day. Huh. Now, these chores can be very detailed, very dangerous, hazardous, require a lot of skills, mm-hmm. but that's still what you're doing rather than like nobody on the ship now is like, oh, I have to check my course and make sure that I'm going to land at this location where I want to at this time that's thousands and thousands of miles away that I can't yeah. possibly see where it is. Whereas, no, now we have hyper-accurate maps, we have hyper-accurate compasses, mm-hmm. and again, we got the GPS satellites, so right. it's we can... Different ball game. It's, it's, it's a different ballgame. It's a different world. Technology... As is often the case, technology has rendered a lot of older skills essentially obsolete. Mm-hmm. And as long as technology exists, those skills will remain 
to be obsolete. Right. So like, um, I've, I've met a couple of people that were old traditionalist sailors, knew mm-hmm. how to spot storms coming, knew how to guide themselves by the stars and whatnot. And that's really, really cool. But he more often than not is going to lose to, if they get into like a boat race or a deep sea voyage or something uh-huh. of that nature, he's probably going to lose to some boat that's using motorized engines right. and has all the latest bells and whistles or whatnot. So yeah, unless there's a worldwide blackout because all the power goes away, our ability to maintain power comes out. It's possible. His skill, I'm not saying it's <laughs> impossible, but his skill set is one that is no longer needed. We're going to want it back if ever the technology goes away, and we're probably not going to have enough people around to still know how to do it to teach it to the rest of us. But for mm-hmm. the moment, it is a sign of things that have become obsolete. Yeah. So I remember um, we've talked about this on a couple of occasions uh, we know that teaching cursive is important because if kids don't know how to read and write cursive, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be able to read old documents. Yeah. That said, I've been compelled of late to recognize the validity of, but we have software that can read oh. this stuff now. And so kids really don't need to know how okay. to read cursive or write cursive anymore. There, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to a point where we're just going to stop teaching kids to write at all because yeah. even our mobile devices have keyboards on them. Well, that's what your son and would people, prefer. And people, I dare say that kids of this day and age are probably writing more with their thumbs than they are with their with a tool. Yeah, yeah. And you can't dismiss that as much as I know that I've hated it in the past. I can't dismiss that. There's some kids out there that could type. Uh, if I were to <laughs> give all my students like a, a, a five paragraph essay and tell mm-hmm. them type this, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if I tried to type it on my computer and I gave them their cell phones, mm-hmm. I'm sure these kids would clobber <laughs> me uh, uh, out typing that. It doesn't help that you henpack. Like someone who knows how to type on a QWERTY keyboard could go faster. Thank you for telling our loyal listeners that I'm still a henpecker. <laughs> I'm okay, sorry. I'm pretty good at henpecking. <laughs> pretty fast yes yes okay so i will say at the moment like we your mom and and we know other people who spend a lot of their time like it's a hobby to digitize old documents right Mm -hmm. at the moment that work is still being done by hand yep but i don't dispute that it's going the direction of the technology getting better Mm -hmm. it it will become up to the machines more and more And yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, it does. Okay, I have a couple things. Okay. First of all, I saw this probably on TikTok a little while ago, and this was so cool. So this might be an article you'd be interested in, in reading. But this happened in, I think, the end of April this year. This is, the, the headline is, Sailing Boat Rescued by the Gothenburg. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong because it's Swedish. Okay. Okay, this is the beginning of the article. Imagine losing your rudder out at sea and sending out a distress call. And then the largest ocean-going wooden sailing ship in the world comes to your rescue. Or in the words of the sailors on the sailing boat, this moment was very strange and we wondered if we were dreaming. Where were we? What time period was it? <laughs> so yeah, it literally like was off the coast of France. This modern boat mm-hmm. had issues. They sent out a distress call and the boat that was able to get to them first was a historic sailing boat. Yep. So there are a couple of boats yeah. like this out there. And they're like, what is this? Um, I remember <laughs> they built uh, one or two of these in Hawaii, one using original materials and one using modern day materials. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I um, remember talking I, about this. Yes, like yeah, the I traditional believe, canoes. I believe they've got one of European design out in Australia, I think, or at least I seem to recall reading something about that not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know all of them, but I know that there are other vessels like this that mm-hmm. are out there in the world. Like, um, I don't know that our listeners know this, but uh, for a time I considered joining the Coast Guard mm-hmm. because I knew that they had a sailing ship. It was mm-hmm. built out of modern materials, but right. I, I, I loved sailing. I still love sailing. Mm-hmm. I wish I could do it more often and i really thought that i i want to do that that was a goal i had in life was to get into the mm-hmm. service either the coast guard or the navy now because now it's been so long i don't remember which one it was i don't know i know i was more eager about the navy so maybe it wasn't the navy uh, mm-hmm. but either way that was the job that mm-hmm. i wanted if i had joined whatever service it yeah. was so they exist but it's definitely yeah. rare yeah and it is cool because they are still capable vessels oh there was a reality show not that long ago where they had where they put like modern people on a old-fashioned ship and uh did a did a the the whole season was just documenting the um the voyage that they made i think they were making a voyage somewhere in the south pacific i never did watch the show i just remember seeing Mm. the commercials for it yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there was uh, there was one guy showing how the the toilets worked and how you bathed out there. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just you dump a bucket of water over yourself. Salt just, water. Yeah, you can't waste the fresh water on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I mean, you just don't bathe. If I remember correctly, the, in, in the commercial, the guy says, "This is no pleasure cruise." I'm like, duh. <laughs> The only pleasure you're going to get on that cruise is if you wanted to be there for that experience. Yeah. I remember I wanted to do that. I remember when I was younger, I when I had my dreams of being a millionaire someday, mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, commission and build an old-timey ship. And I, w- I was hoping that I would eventually be able to do a business where I could take uh-huh. that ship out into San Francisco Bay. And then we could like roll up on cruise <laughs> ships or t- tourist <laughs> ships that are going through the bay and pretend to fire at them. Pre- make, oh, my pretend, gosh. Like, we're a pirate ship coming to get them because i thought that would be so cool you can't tell me that the tourists wouldn't think that was awesome at least well you want to warn them ahead of time that this was what could happen so that they didn't think yeah. that when we're our cannons yeah. are firing blanks at them that they're actually being shot at yeah they have to know it's a show and not actual cannons yeah. So, firing. yeah san francisco is so dead of tourism these days probably a good idea that i never wasted millions of dollars on <laughs> such a project <laughs> would have been fun though it would have been fun though Okay, so I have a question. So remember that movie that you used to watch all the time on repeat? You'll have to be more specific. I know. Much there's, more specific. There's always something. <laughs> the one about old boats. You'll still have to be more specific. I can oh. think of at least seven. Oh, that's true. I forgot the Horatio Hornblower. Okay, no. so not that one. No. Then I can think of one. No. <laughs> yes. I'm talking about Master and Commander. Okay. Okay. So I remember... It's based off a book that was written by that guy that wrote the book about old boats. That's right. Yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, Patrick O'Brien? Yep. Yeah, okay. So I remember that in that movie, they were chasing some other boat. Yes. Okay. And they couldn't figure out, like, why is this guy so much faster than us? Mm-hmm. And then the one guy, like one of the crewmen, mm-hmm. was like, you know, I I was there in port with my wife when they were building this boat and then he like builds a replica of how he remembers the boat to be okay and then the captain was like oh my gosh this is it Mm -hmm. extra rum for you and and let's let's beat him Mm -hmm. okay what was that innovation 
what was so special about that boat? It just looked like the bottom of a boat. Like, what was so special about that one that it was so much faster than theirs? Okay, so I'm not overly familiar with the concepts of what went into it. Okay. But uh, the reason why it stood out was that it was it was something about the changing in the planking and the framing of the boat. So boats are designed not just to sit there on the ocean because then they would just bob all the time. Uh-huh. They're designed with keels. They're designed in such a way so that they can travel through the water efficiently What's so that the keel? they can get, the keel is the beam that comes down the center of the boat underneath it like a sharp edge so yeah it's the the sharp edge okay. or in this case it's the sharp middle mm-hmm. and its purpose amongst others is to help the thing cut through the water faster mm. so remember so one of the biggest problems with traveling through water versus traveling on an open road is mm-hmm. that friction is more of a problem in the ocean even oh. though water is not as burdensome as dry land we can more easily walk across dry land than a boat can cut through the water of the ocean. Because uh, oh. think about it like a person walking only has to cut through air. He's not cutting through the ground beneath his feet. He's passing over that. But oh. a boat doesn't do that. A boat is trying to cut through the water that it's hitting, especially if right. it's going against the currents. So, right. the design, so the design of the boat's exterior is just as important, important as its interior, but mm-hmm. in particular, the exterior is what helps the boat be able to travel faster. Mm-hmm. So in this case, uh, the boat, and this was actually true during the days of the French Revolution of the Napoleonic Wars, uh-huh. the, even though the British had the larger navy, the British boats and British boat designs were a little bit older, a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. The, the newer boats with like revolutionary ideas about their framing, about how to you know, make them travel faster or last longer, whatever the case was, mm-hmm. these were more often amongst the French ships. So the oh. French had fewer ships, but their ships were more technologically sound. Didn't do them a lot of good because the British proved that, all right, even though your ships are more awesome than ours, mm-hmm. our crews are still massively outclass you. Right. And our expert crews can use our unclassic, our, our, <laughs> our unclassy vessels better than mm-hmm. your inexperienced crews can use your classy vessels. Right. So what, their their keel was sharper or what? So again, I'm not overly okay. familiar with what all the details were, but yes, something about the exterior design looked new enough to the character Warley, uh-huh. uh, and, to, and the commander recognized it too right away that, oh yeah, this is a type of framing I've never seen before, uh-huh. but upon noticing it, realize the benefits that it has just like uh, boat designers today or experienced boat designers can do the same thing Mm -hmm. so um, something that i would love to compare it to would be uh, submarines a significant jump in submarine warfare occurred during world war ii Mm -hmm. so most people when you think submarine warfare where are they doing their fighting in the ocean where in the ocean (laughs) above the water under the water under the water under the submarine so that is not true Submarine warfare, well, yes, did some of it did take place underneath the ocean. For the most part, up until about the tail end of World War II, submarine warfare usually consisted of the submarine surfacing and using a deck gun to fire at its targets. Oh. It could dive beneath the... Uh, so the, the sub... The uh, diving was a hiding mechanism. It was not the primary oh. function of the submarine. It could dive to hide from airplanes overhead or from predators that are chasing it. And uh-huh. yes, it was perfectly capable of launching its torpedoes to destroy its targets. One. The, okay, they did have torpedoes. Yeah, they, they could did have use torpedoes. Underwater. But again, the primary function was to run on the surface and to use its deck gun, not oh. to run underwater. So the original submarines were diesel engines. This means that if they were under the water... There's no tailpipe. The fumes are staying inside with the crew, so they can't keep the engines on very long before they're going to asphyxiate the crew. 
Yeah, so, so you have to like, surface to let out so the yeah, exhaust. Yeah, you have to surface to let out the exhaust, and you can run your steam engine, or decent steam, <laughs> you can run your <laughs> diesel engines all day long when you're on the surface because uh-huh. then you got a tailpipe. I don't remember when it was designed, but at the tail end of World War II, Germany finally comes up with the true submarine, an actual submarine designed for mm-hmm. underwater warfare, not to operate on the surface and be able to hide. Yeah. And among the things that they did differently to this was its design. If you look at a typical World War II era submarine, you can very easily tell that almost all of them are designed, or all of them are designed to run primarily on the surface. Uh-huh. They've got a, a top a flat level deck, and uh-huh. then as they go down into the water, they cut into a sharp angle, kind of like an arrow that where the keel is oh. to help them cut through the water, the surface water, easier. Okay. When you dive down into the ocean, that design isn't very helpful because okay, well now you're completely surrounded by water. Being able to cut through the bottom part isn't going to make you travel any faster. Uh-huh. The Type 21 was the German submarine that they built towards the tail end of the war. Um, they managed to get, I think, two operational before the war was over, uh-huh. but it was a too little, too late thing. They were, they were never oh. able to sink any targets before the war was over. But this thing was designed to be smooth all the way around. So submarines before that time, they had the tower, they had deck guns, they had ramps on the tower, mm-hmm. they had the, the exterior design that we already talked about to be able to help them cut through the top of the water, yeah. the surface of the water. But no, on the Type 21, no deck guns. There was a tower, but she was smooth all the way around. No railings for the crew to walk on or yeah. anything to that nature. Just more aerodynamic in and, general? And her design was not to be able to cut through the top of the water. Too. Her design was made purposely so that the bulk of her was going to be underwater, and only a small portion of her was actually going to be able to be above the water mm. and cutting through the surface. For the most part, she was just sleek all the way around to help her cut through just the water of the ocean Mm -hmm. because she was supposed to be submerged. So that's an example of, all right, to create greater efficiency for their purposes, whatever Mm -hmm. the job is of the ship, they came up with new methods, new technology, a new way of designing her hull to -hmm. get her to do the job they wanted her to do better. Cool. Supposedly there is still a Type 21 in existence. It's on display somewhere in Germany. And if ever we get over there, (laughs) that is going to be on my list of we are are visiting this thing. Because they're... There are so many innovations they put into that boat that were just absolutely beautiful. But none of it was used because it was the end of the war. No, so one of at least two of them were operational, uh-huh. and one of them did put to sea. Okay. Uh, in fact, um, the one that they did put to sea actually it popped up in the in between in the middle of popped a, up right in the middle of an allied fleet. We talked fleet. about this. Yeah, they were yes. they, they were testing the submarine out, uh-huh. and the captain and the crew they were all excited because like. We are right in the middle of these guys, they and they know. have no idea we're here. Yeah. Freaked out everybody when they just surfaced right in the middle. Yeah, because they were told war's over, yep. don't attack. They, yeah, they, they, he was in position. He could have attacked that convoy, taken out a couple of oh ships. Oh, my gosh. But it was uh, too close to the ceasefire hour, so they're like, all right, boys, surface. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, the allies were quick to snatch up anything they could recover of those Type 21s. And believe it or not, so the the very first nuclear submarines that were built, uh-huh. they used the 21, or the 21 was their model when yeah. they built it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to Master and Commander, though. Yep. How did knowing how, like, why that boat was faster than his, how did that help him? 
So in classical combat, there are a number of different features that you have to think about if you're going to beat your opponent. Mm -hmm. The more advantages that your opponent has over you, well, the harder your fight is going to be. And so you've got to try to find some way of balancing out or countering those advantages you have. So in this case, a big problem in naval warfare is if your opponent is faster than you. Yeah. If your opponent is faster than you, then this means that if whether you're wounded or not, he can if he wants to fight you, mm-hmm. he can catch up with you and you won't be able to get away with him. Yeah. On the converse side of that is that if he doesn't want to fight you, he can get away yeah. and you won't be able to catch you can up just to him. Run. So, overcoming the out the speed is a hard thing to do. And in the case of Master and Commander, granted, I never read this book, so I don't know how many of the details from the movie are accurate, but Mm -hmm. if we go off of the movie, then everything about this ship said that it was better. It was larger, and Mm -hmm. despite the fact that it was larger, though, because of its new design, it was faster and more maneuverable than they were. So they had a bigger crew, they had more guns, they had bigger guns, they had guns that could shoot farther Mm -hmm. than the Surprise's guns, and again, their ship was faster. So all those advantages means that they, the British, the surprise mm-hmm. should have been destroyed and defeated many, many times over when they, whenever there was an engagement right. between the two of them. But Aubrey is able to use some shenanigans and be able to use the the better seamanship of his crew uh-huh. to give a decent fight and even manage to win the day by the end. So I, I think I mentioned this before. It was a rule of thumb in the British Navy that your ship is expected to be able to take out a whole class of enemy warship higher than you. So Dang. think about it like, a, let's say um, any three, let's say a group of three soldiers in the American military. It uh-huh. is expected that you are going to be, if there's three of you, it is expected that you are going to be able to win a fight against at least seven opponents. Holy cow. Yeah, no. <laughs> They're going to cut those three guys a break if you can't beat eight, but it is expected that you will be able to beat at least seven. Oh, my god! Kind of making that number up in my head, but that, yeah, that's but the, still, idea. the idea. It's the idea that you're supposed you're to be outmatched. able to do better despite the fact that you're outmatched. Yeah. Shoot. Okay. And it served them well. British Navy was, in, yeah. was an unstoppable force for centuries. Right. So uh, we talked about some of the great things that Elizabeth did back in the day. Elizabeth founded, or established rather, mm-hmm. what will eventually become the right. famous British Navy. British had always had warships that they could use in times of war yeah. before Elizabeth's time, but she is the one that really establishes what will eventually become the Royal Navy of legend. Cool. Yep. All right, so what is your favorite or you think is the most impressive or the most surprising for the time period your the best boat if if we're talking like english warships like like these ones that we're talking about or the type that polynesians use to do their navigation you know far across the ocean or like viking ships or you know pick your time period what is the coolest Oh, okay. So or most was, impressive, or if I was going to go with the coolest. Okay, so if I had my opportunity to choose which vessel to ride in, and if I okay. could only pick one of the two, uh, Viking longships definitely would be on my list. But I think I uh-huh. would go with the Polynesian. I, I don't know the name of this particular I don't one. Remember. The boat that I, saw, I believe this is a Hawaiian boat. I might be wrong on it, um, and I don't remember what the name of this boat was called. But um, so it was basically made of two canoes, and these were giant canoes uh-huh. made from hollowed out humongous tree mm-hmm. trunks like beyond sequoia in size tree trunks dang and there's a, a flat platform uh, in the middle of them like the boats we see in moana 
Uh, yeah, similar at, the at least. Where they're a, a navigating. I, a larger than I think the ones that we see in Moana, okay. but yeah, similar in their design. Okay. So yeah, the the hollowed out trunks. Well, that's mm-hmm. where the crew would sleep if they're not going to sleep up on the surface. Mm-hmm. And that's also where they would store their supplies and whatnot yeah. in there. So I would love to get on a sailboat like that. Yeah. Because I think that would just be cool. I I say I say that I would prefer that one over the Viking longship because mm-hmm. even though the Viking longship is also cool, Viking longship is in the open air. So they, they can put <laughs> canvases and whatnot over you so that you have some kind of shelter. Yeah. But at least in the Hawaiian canoe type boat, no, if I want to, I could go into and mm-hmm. sleep inside there. There'd be some shelter. Because as much Practical. as I love sailing, at if it does get really, really cold, mm-hmm. and eventually I'm going to get tired of the rain and the cold, mm-hmm. I'm going to want a nice dry spot to sit for a spell. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. But if uh, if we were gonna go with like what boat do I want more than anything to be on? Uh-huh. I gotta tell you that Type Twenty One is a really? darn good competitor because <laughs> that would be, uh, submarines are cool. There, I I don't understand. I it, it scares me the claustrophobia. The like, what if yeah. something goes wrong and we're just either gonna be crushed? Well, or, there's one or advantage drowned? of the Type Twenty One because of her new design. She was bigger than all the other submarines over time. Still, still cramped, but You're still there were there can. was bigger. You're in a tin can yes. in the ocean, yes, surrounded by water. That's yes. terrifying. And accidents <laughs> have happened, but it's still fairly safe. We have not had quite as many deaths on sub on failed submarines as we yeah. have on airplane crashes. Okay, but, I can't say that for certainty, but well, I'm I'm inclined to believe that we've had less people die in submarines outside of warfare. We have had less people die in submarines than we have had die in plane crashes. Sure, I you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> okay, question though: those Viking longships, mm-hmm. did they actually look like that? Like the classic, like the dra- yeah. big old dragon in the front. Was, That's real. So it was not necessarily always a dragon, but yes, they would have a headpiece. But like on bigger, it. bigger so than like just like you've the seen mermaid. That on European the ships, there's yeah. there's almost always a, a headpiece. Oh, and so this isn't even true of European ships. I can't say for sure because like I can't think of a Hawaiian one off the top of my head, but I know they carved stuff into the design uh-huh. of their ships. But I know that I've seen ships from Asia, from Europe, uh-huh. uh, from different parts of Europe and different parts of Asia that have had headpieces on them of some kind or another. Right. Some some type of prow in mm-hmm. the front portion to, to display the glory, to show how cool it is, maybe to intimidate the people in front of them, whatever the case might be. Yeah, almost everybody has done it. So yeah, the Vikings would have something on the front mm-hmm. of their ship. Not Always, but it was easily enough to carve, or to the best of my knowledge, it was easily enough to carve something up yeah. there. And also, again, it would have been like a sign of prestige. So definitely anybody of, of renown or royalty mm-hmm. uh, or wealth would have had something probably carved into that yeah. one. Uh, okay, but it but... wasn't a requirement of the ship's design. Oh, okay. But yes, the 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 hull design of it, which I know I've seen, but we've, we've but it's hard for me to think of words to describe. If I remember correctly, it looks kind of like. Uh, let's, let's like pretend that somebody had like a solid hull on the bottom, but then they like cut little grooves into it, like mm-hmm. uh, like a, took like a knife and just cut like lines going from the front all the way across the bottom. These and they weren't really lines. This was something about how they folded or how they put the planks together to make the exterior okay. of the hull, and these created like the effect of lots and lots of mini kills all the way on oh. the bottom part of the boat that did allow Viking longships to travel a little bit better in the water more efficiently than a lot of other boats at the time. I didn't know that was a thing. That was part of the element of it, yeah. 
Oh, okay. But no, I'm just talking about, okay. So when you have the, the figure, hold up, when you have the figure, like at the front of the boat, like if mm-hmm. I'm thinking like a English boat or whatever, mm-hmm. it's a person in front of the prow. Okay. But when I think of a Viking ship, the dragon head is like a continuation of the front of the boat. Yes. Like that was real? Yes. That's cool. I kind of assumed it was kind of like the horns on the Vikings heads. Like it was made up. Oh, no. That's really neat. Yeah. Okay, cool. What were you going to say? Oh, so yeah, you're making me go down a rabbit hole. And it's like one after another. I'm thinking of, <laughs> oh, I didn't think about this ship. Or, oh, that would be cool too. But is it cooler than one of the ones I already mentioned? <laughs> so the, the, the one you noticed in my reaction was yeah. at the time was I all of a sudden thought about, oh, a Quinn Cream. I would love What's to that? get on board a Quinn Cream. So the Quinn Cream was the type of ship that the Carthaginians used that they used with great effectiveness uh, throughout their empire. This was the type of ship that the Romans were able to find a wrecked one. Uh-huh. And thanks to the Carthaginians labeling all the parts, because the Carthaginians had an insanely effective <gasps> procedure for building these. We all the parts this. were labeled and whatnot. The uh-huh. Romans were able to pull the wreck together or pull the wreck apart see very easily how to put it back together, mm-hmm. copied it, and built their own fleet. Yep. But it was it was the Queen Kareem because um, a lot of ships at the time had... Uh, the, the Trireme was the most common warship of the time. Okay. Tri indicating three. It had mm-hmm. three levels of oars pulling it. The oh. Queen Kareem had five rows of oars. So it could... It was a bigger ship, what? but it could move faster. And if it hit you, because they rammed a lot mm-hmm. in those days, oh, it would hit you with a heck of a lot more power because it had all those extra oars in that size. Wait, okay, so five levels. Are we talking like a five-story building, like top to bottom, one, two, three, four, five? So not... Similar, yes, in that five elevated different levels of oars, uh-huh. but not the size of a five-story building. The, okay. the the layers for the oarmen were often enough cramped down. Well, yeah, it would have to, because once you get up to the top one, like their oars would have to be huge mm-hmm. to reach the water. Yep. Dang. And yeah, the top layer, they did have larger oars, but yeah, they, 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 it wasn't uh, it wasn't what we would call five stories. Okay. It was just enough yeah. for them to be able to row effectively. Ooh. Sounds miserable. Oh, yeah. Galleys were, yeah, sorry, these type of boats are called galleys. Yeah. yeah. Galleys were absolutely miserable. That's the reason why most of the people that operated them were slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Spanish continued to use galleys for a long time, even up until the Napoleonic era. Dang. Not you exclusively, would, but they still had galleys. You would need a freaking lot of slaves on your boat mm-hmm. to do that many oars. Yeah. Holy cow. And because and because they would need so many slaves on these boats, this was one of the limitations of the time. This also meant that galleys, be they uh-huh. tri- uh, triremes or quinqueremes or whatever, also didn't have that much of a range because mm. there's only so many provisions that you could have on board and you can't just oh. go around starving your slave of Roman because then who's going to row your butt back to home? Oh my gosh. Did these boats also have sails or was it yes, all reliant? A lot, a, uh, okay. So a lot of galleys did also have a sail, but their primary purpose uh-huh. or their primary means of travel was the oars or at least in battle. But So that, that would be fair. You can, I do, I cannot say that I know for sure the primary function of the oars was their, or sorry, that the oars was their primary method of travel. Mm-hmm. Some ships, yes, the oars were the primary method of travel, mm-hmm. but in others, it is possible that the sail was strong enough or did a good enough job that they could just rely on the sail and they might okay. have just saved the oars for battle. Whenever there was a battle though, yes, they would definitely use the oars because they wanted that speed. Dang. That's nuts. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Lots, lots of cool stuff in the, on the water. 
<laughs> the history of the Navy. But so no we were, aliens. We were, we were talking about how awesome the <laughs> water is. I said that water was my opinion of the number uh-huh. one most important thing. And yeah, we've done some pretty cool things, invented some really cool ways of doing stuff in the water. That's awesome. But no aliens. No. No aliens. <laughs> no aliens. <laughs> Well, you just ruined this episode for me. This was no fun. How did I ruin this episode for you? No aliens. So, to be clear, I do not dismiss the idea that there is not alien life out there. I am among the many believers that think that, oh, there's definitely alien mm-hmm. life out there. Have I any proof? No. But it seems absurd <laughs> to believe that of the last I heard, over 70 sextillion stars mm-hmm. that are out there in the universe. You're not going to be able to convince me that at least one other mm-hmm. of those managed to have the right conditions to create life. Mm-hmm. And they... be, being the religious man that I am, I, I believe in that scripture where it says, and God created man in his own image. So I'm also of the opinion that if there are aliens out there, they're going to look like us. Yeah. So how do you know they didn't come here and help us build the pyramids? You don't know. I should think that we would have more evidence than a bunch of rocks. Maybe we would have found a crashed ship somewhere along the ship. I would hope that they would have come back by now to investigate, see, hey, how are those uh, old cousins of ours doing? Some people so, oh, believe they have. Oh, here we go. I, I like the Battlestar Galactica theory. Okay. So at the end of the... I hear that they're relaunching it again. I don't know if that's accurate and what they're going to do with it. But at the end of the sci-fi bit of uh, Battlestar Galactica, they Uh posed it that, oh, these humans are not from Earth. They were from some other place in the galaxy, and they found Earth as they were running away from the Cylons and settled on our Earth of the past and Uh became our ancestors. So, all right, they'll then technically, yes... (laughs) <laughs> aliens built the pyramids because then we, the humans, we are the aliens. Or rather, we are the descendants of the original aliens. That's awesome. Thank you for giving that to me. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm happy that I could make you and your preposterousness happy. Yes, yes. All right. Well, I thought this was going to be a shorter episode and it went by really fast, but that was fun. All right. Well, stay tuned for next week because we have a really long episode coming out. I mean, not really long, but it's one of our longer ones because Christopher didn't know something and he had to do some research. I mean, you could edit it down to like be five minutes if you wanted to. That would be so boring. How do I choose which of the information you shared to take uh, out? Uh, keep, keep the bit about, oh, I can't say which you parts to keep now it. because I mean, I don't want to ruin it for our no listeners. No spoilers. No spoilers. Okay, well, uh, keep, the, keep the part about the, uh, okay, I'm going to make hand motions uh-huh. so that Shirley knows what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but our lovely audience, I'm not going to source. So mention the part about the, uh, the, the, <laughs> yes, mention I mention the keep part about in. the. Yes, yes. And then uh, maybe also mention the part of the. Okay, yeah. Oh, and then mention the yeah. other part of the. Uh... Naturally, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Keep that. All right. So enjoy that, our lovely listeners. <laughs> it- it'll be a good episode. All right. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to hear a future episode with more information about any of the many things that we talked about today, please contact us on Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Married to History Pod. Also, please contact us if you have a silly question idea or if there's something from history that you would love to learn about. Just be sure to specify in your message if it is silly or serious because we don't want to treat a genuine quest for knowledge like a joke. 
Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye bye. People that wait so long to get their driver's licenses, <laughs> they should be ashamed of themselves. How old were you? It's not important. It was a different time. It was a different decade. It was literally a different... Oh, no, it wasn't a different century. A different quarter century. It was a different decade. Yes, it was a... It was a no, wasn't even a different quarter century. It hasn't been... This isn't 25. We haven't reached a quarter quill year yet. <laughs> that, that, that's what it was, right? It was every 25 years? Yeah, because that's what that they call it the right. quarter quill. Mm-hmm. I got my driver's license one week before they sent me off to Hawaii, and I didn't drive for the six months after that. That's terrifying. <laughs> and then I they don't. made me teach Japanese uh, guys how to drive. I don't understand. Oh, but it was great. I loved it. I, I miss Nakajima. I wish I had stayed in contact with him.